to the Adhocracy Podcast. Today here I have Tobias, a local musician from the Snohomish Marysville area. That's He's me. coming out with a new album called Joe Vibin. Mm-hmm. I also happen to know Tobin personally as he happened to COVID quarantine in the office <laughs> for a little bit. So <laughs> That did happen. That did happen. Very that interesting. A, that was an interesting time. So yeah, Christmas 2020 was interesting. That's a, that, that actually proves to be... Uh, we'll get into it, but that's actually a really good segue into where Joe Vibin was birthed. Really? Okay. Yeah. All so right. It was that time that the idea was conceived. Yeah. Now this is uh, which album number is this for yours? I guess if you were to include singles and official like. include singles, or are we just doing records? Because usually there's a couple singles that pre- precede a given record. We're we doing singles and records. We can inc- we'll count. Let's count total songs first. If you have okay. a rough number here. Math in public. Officially released to the public right now because there has been older projects under different names that have been kind of taken away due to sort of a rebranding, if you will. At this point, are we including, about 20, are we including the Bowtoons label? That's uh, exactly what was very much scrapped. <laughs> <laughs> very much scrapped. I don't know about These this. These were the, uh, the trappings of a child. I did, I did listen to your stuff on Spotify. Before, oh, interesting. Before yeah. So. Interesting. What were your thoughts? I liked it. Um, there was uh, a couple songs that. Um, have you heard of Matt Kearney? Yeah. That reminded me very much Isn't of Matt the, Kearney. The, the drown me in love. Is that is, uh, that, is it that guy? Uh, I don't know. I don't know that song. Sure, I don't I'm think it is. Sure, I, I'm pretty sure it's him. I might be closer to love. Else. Maybe closer to love is one of his albums. That might be what I'm thinking of. I don't remember. I know Matt Kearney though. Yeah, but anyways, uh, I definitely got some Matt Kearney vibes off of listening, listening okay. to, on, on, on one of your songs. There, there were a couple other that where it kind of totally changed and it was different. Yeah. But on that one particular song, I was like, this yeah. really sounds like Matt Kearney, which is great because I, I love Matt Kearney. That's good. So, yeah. That has been both a complaint and a, a praise of my music. People rarely can associate it with a given genre. Because there's, there's no cohesivity yes. amongst my discography. There just isn't. And that's something that actually that really drew me to Matt Kearney when I first yeah. heard him. I mean, I remember walking through the Christian bookstore and hearing this really awkward, like, acoustic <laughs> white guy <laughs> rap, like, slow. Like, the weirdest. But it's like, and at first it did. It was like, this sounds really odd. This sounds really different. But as I sat and listened to him, like, I actually really like this. This is really different. Sure. I've never heard anything like this. And I bought the album on the spot. Yeah. So and that's 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 what music yeah. needs to do, and, right? And he's kind of got Matt Kearney has gotten away from a bit of the rapping and gotten into more of just like singing and acoustic, but yeah. just his style I really like it. And so yeah, that was one of the nice. first things that I thought of when I listened. So awesome. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, you got it. Was it was there a question that led into a bunny trail there? I no, don't I, was, I don't know. We're oh, just nice. I'm just shooting off the hip here and we're just we going go. for the fun of it, you know. I like so. it, yeah. So the, the the name, where'd you get the name for the new album? Okay, so the the actual name is the Joe Vibin Experience. Is that Joe Biden? Is yeah, that, is that so a play on that? There's levels. Okay, there, there's Let's many do levels. It. I'm a fan of symbolism. I'm a fan of memes. I'm a fan of all of it. So the Joe Vibin Experience plays on three major uh, tropes, if you will. So Joe Biden, mm-hmm. there's a big internet craze calling him Joe Vibin just for the fun of it i suppose i mean anybody in anybody in a massive (laughs) keep asking the phone here oh oh Oh. of course someone forgot to turn off their cell phone i i am a frequent movie goer so the cell phone is almost always off in scenarios like this 
Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're going to have to start over. What, what no, do we have here? What is the Frangelico? What is oh, what is Frangelico? Oh, you need to try this. I don't think I've tried Frangelico. Yeah. Um, this is some good stuff. Because I, I barely, barely gave myself a shot of whiskey, so. I'll call her back. So, so what exactly is this? Uh, it's an Italian liqueur that um, it smells, Whoa. it smells it one direction What's and tastes another. What did I just drink? <laughs> It's it, so it's it's got like a real nutty yeah. It's got a real nutty like smell, but then when I, I remember the first time I tasted Almost it, I thought well, I thought um, wow. cream de cocoa actually is what oh, is what I, I thought of. That. But then the nuttiness came back in, and it was like this is That's this is not, really good. That is like, very good. You could put that. You could spike like hot dessert. chocolate like with a, that. It's a dessert. You could spike hot chocolate with that, and that would work very oh, yeah. well. Oh, yeah. Very so, well. Yeah. I'm, it's only good in small amounts, though. Like as, as soon as you start having sure. a, a bit more of it, so sweet. Yeah, it's, it's it, the, the, the sweetness it's, gets. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like I drinking maple that. syrup. Like, it's good. Have you done this? Just Drink maple syrup. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just just like a it. spoonful of sugar, you know, helps the medicine <laughs> go down. So Mary Poppins, man. Yeah, leader of wisdom. Yeah. No, so the Joe Biden experience is the official name for a couple reasons. One, Joe Biden. D- to me, just major figures are in some way always memes. I think to a certain extent we owe we owe the president, regardless of who fills that office, a, a sign of respect because he's our president. Agreed. But at the same time, I think America throughout its course of history has capitalized on being able to take itself not very seriously, at least the American people. Yep. And so this album presses into that a little bit while also playing on a couple more serious themes. So Joe Biden is one of the layers of that name. The Joe Rogan experience, one of my f- personal favorite podcast so you have the yes. joe rogan experience as opposed to the yeah. joe vibin experience so that's another layer okay, okay. all right. right all right and then Jimi hendrix's first album was called the Jimi hendrix experience which is where joe rogan got his podcast title so on. there's layers right mm-hmm. as a musician Jimi hendrix big inspiration bold as love one of my favorite records maybe ever the guitar work in that song is it's phenomenal right and so Though musically, I don't take any inspiration from Jimi Hendrix's work in the record, um, the name and just the influence he as an artist has had on me as an artist was enough for me to to make it make it a weird name. <laughs> so we have the Joe Vibin experience. It's kind of a three layer name. Nice. So was that um, you said you moved away from one kind? of kind of a, a genre to kind of break off to the specific, more be more specific with Tobias. Mm-hmm. How much very variation within musical styles is there on the Joe Biden? Is, is it pretty, pretty diverse or is it more honed in on specific oh, style that you're trying to create? Completely different. Yeah. The, the, I've never released anything even mildly similar to this. And anybody who's heard my music who will eventually hear the Joe Biden experience will be the first to tell you, like I, this isn't anything like Sunset Chasers or Small Town or anything like that, right? Um, for, for a couple reasons. One, so as Botunes, which was kind of the previous name, a much more adolescent understanding of music, I think. And part of that was John Mayer has always been my favorite artist. He's, he's my favorite artist. He's very phenomenal. legit. He's, he's, he's amazing. He's a good choice. <laughs> I'm actually going to see him in March. I'm very excited. Nice. But I'm not John Mayer. And little, little me, 
I'm still little, but littler me did not <laughs> understand that I'm not John Mayer. And I was trying to be. And I think coming into Tobias, as, as well as just finding a bit more of a mature aesthetic, was also just understanding that I need to be myself, that the idea of creativity is very self-reliant in that whatever flows from me should be what I create. I shouldn't, I shouldn't try and copy of the other artists. And so Tobias has really been an effort to sit down at my production studio and let it control me and not vice versa. How much of this was collaborative work, uh, work at studios nearby sure. um, with other musicians versus solo singer-songwriter, producer? Hmm. Uh, what was that experience and who all was involved in the project? In some way... This is the only record that I've had zero help on. Okay. But at the same time, so I, in terms of any tweaks, I made. All the mixing, the mastering, the recording, the writing was entirely me. There was zero help on any of it, which is the first time I've ever had that. Um, but as I finished a song, I would send it to a good producer friend of mine, Dash 8. Um, that's his, his artist name. And he would just give me some thoughts. He'd be like, I really like this. I'm not a fan of that. I really like this. And if he recommended something and I realized, oh, I actually, I kind of agree with that. I might make a tweak here and there. Um, but if something he recommended go, went sorely against what I felt was right for the project, this was the only time I've ever just axed multiple, multiple critiques. And there was, there was some major ones. There, there, was some, there was some where he basically said, like, this is just against what you should do as a producer. And I said, I don't really care. Like it's because part of it is, is it's the record I've taken the most and least seriously simultaneously. It's such a conundrum. It's such a conundrum. It's a juxtaposition of feelings right there. Yes. So, so when you were writing this, I'm, I'm curious, like you said, you originally were going for more of a John Mayer feel, and this is more just you. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing that, I guess it's a two-part question. Do you have any um, influences that you feel are like so ingrained in you that you're, that you're always going to pull from it? And then also, when you're in the process yeah. of writing this, do, do you still listen to a significant amount of other music or do you just kind of tune it all out to just focus on what you're making? Good question. Okay. There's layers to the answer. Layers are the things. Sensing a lot of layers here. Experience. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is an ogre album. Yeah. For fans out there. I am. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, the biggest, the first song that I made off of Joe Vibe, and at least the first that was fully produced, there were a couple ideas that pre, uh, were preconceived to the first song that was actually finished. But the first song that was finished is called Win You Back. And, and that's a single album. It, it's a single that was released. I listened to that one. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a very <laughs> dance, disco. Mm -hmm. It was a tribute to Daft Punk. So Daft Punk in 2021 released Epilogue, which was the final, the final thing they ever did, ever. Mm. Daft Punk no longer exists no, as, so as a band. Sad. And so, okay, full disclosure, I cried that day because Daft Punk was a major part of my childhood. I mean, they, they stemmed all the way from the 90s through to uh, they were always relevant like no matter what period of music because yeah. usually you have the 90s where you have nirvana you have uh tupac you have these major names then you move into the 2000s you have justin bieber starting 
you have Rihanna starting. Then you move into now, you have Ed Sheeran, you have these major names. Daft Punk has been through all of it. I mean, he produced. they produced for The weekend in the 2000s. They released, uh, well, Homework was a 90s album, but they released in 2013, uh, Random Access Memories. So they've, yeah. They've always been relevant. Not to mention their film scoring too with uh, Tron. Exactly. I mean, and right? that was a phenomenal sound, like phenomenal track. Like, to this this day, was like, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite soundtracks so to good. date, right? And so there's a sense in which I think throughout music, without ever being like, yeah, Daft Punk is easily one of my favorite bands. Influentially, they've they've probably been near the top. So they're kind of foundational to your definitely, okay. definitely, and I think. I think if nothing else, I, I just so admire the fact that they've been able to stay relevant without compromising anything. They still have a very unique sound. Like, they still have a very old-school sound. Yeah, it's, it draws but it still disco. works. Yeah, it, it's disco, it's synthwave, it's vintage. They use the voice box. They use these old techniques, but they modernize it in the most, the most just lovable way for me. So Daft Punk... Uh, big inspiration because that happened and I was like, man, I'm going to make a, a track. And I think part of that, as I just went into production, I don't think I was listening to Daft Punk any more than I usually do, but so much of the influence you can see throughout the record. The uh, whole record, not just that one song? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. You, the, there's a, th- a fingerprint on I'm it, excited. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now, how are you balancing? I mean, you're, you're classically trained on the piano. Yeah. You're guitarist. Your singer songwriter, you also, I would say, are pretty involved in the EDM scene a little bit mm-hmm. with some of your collaborations too. Yeah. So, how does how do all these forces play into this album here? Yeah, John Mayer is a master guitarist. That was what I needed to realize: is that John Mayer is a master guitarist, and I'm not. If I'm a master of anything, it's piano. It's not voice. It's not guitar. It's keys. Whether there's a synth sound that's being programmed through it, whether it's an acoustic piano, whether it's an electric piano, whatever it be, if you put me in front of keys, heck, put me in front of an organ, I'll play the hell out of it. Mm. <laughs> but if you put me, if you put me with a guitar, I can play. I'm decent, but I'm not good, and I don't think I ever will be, no matter how much time I put into it. That was part of what I needed to recognize. The predominant instrument in my older music was guitar there's not a single guitar on the Joe Vibin experience. Mm. There's no electric. No, not even uh, no bass lines? No, no bass no, guitar? Uh, uh, so any bass that's in there is a MIDI keyboard, <laughs> and I just do an epic riff on it, right? Because <laughs> um, there, there is a couple sections where I program like a slap bass sound. I, I purchased a VST that sounds like a slap bass, and I play it in Win You Back, right? So there's a couple records that use that, but I don't use any guitar in the record because I – Part of it was just being content with, I know who I am as an artist. I'm a keyist, and I'm a singer, and I'm a songwriter, and I'm going to maximize the heck out of those three elements and see what happens, right? And so there's John Mayer is a recognition, like, this is my favorite artist, and and part of the reason he's my favorite is because I recognize there's a level of artistry that I don't think I'll ever ever attain, Mm. right? There's there's a level of... guitar playing that I don't yeah, think it's, I'll it's ever good make to know it to. what lanes you can really drive well in. Exactly. But then appreciate the ones you can't. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. why I love John Mayer's because I recognize it's not an area that I'll ever really excel at. So how 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 do you make that determination that like even if 
like how, even if you keep practicing at it, it sounds like you think it still wouldn't be something you would master it. Is there a way that you like figured that out? Like your fingers are just like the wrong length for to reach certain kinds of chords or to be able to do the certain kind of like. I'm just curious, like how you because a lot of times everyone is told, you know, if, if you do this and you just keep working hard at it, you'll eventually get really good at it. And so yeah. it's interesting to hear you say, sure. I don't think I would ever be a guitar, a great guitar or. Yeah. I think you're a great guitarist, but whatever. You might not. <laughs> sure, <laughs> I don't sure. know my guitars that well, but um, to hear you say that, I'm just curious what makes you makes you say that. Yeah. Finger length, that's interesting. I have short sausage fingers, <laughs> for those who don't know. Gen- genuinely speaking, my piano teacher, God bless her soul, used to literally call my fingers sausage fingers. You have sausage fingers, and I'd be like, I don't know how I play piano, but I do, okay? And I think part of it is when I sit at a guitar and, and anybody in my family growing up will tell you when I, the first time I ever sat at a piano, it sounded good. Pretty sure my mom started crying, which is a little weird. The first time I ever sat at a piano because it she, sounded she cries good. At everything. That's, that's a fair <laughs> assessment. So maybe, maybe it's something special, but as that developed, you sure it was cause it sounded good. Maybe I'm it sorry. was just, maybe, <laughs> maybe I had some banshee tones there, <laughs> but, but as that developed, like it just, it never stopped getting better. I, I never stopped getting better at the piano. I remember your, uh, was it the first uh, concert where you're blending together your, uh, you had everything, what was it from, you had Charlie Brown in there to yeah. like, it was, it was quite the medley. It was eclectic. It was very eclectic. It really was. But it, it was, I mean, it, the first piano competition I ever competed in, I won first. And then I proceeded after that to never win less than second interesting ever it, that so, so you know what it feels like in order to progress in a particular instant and what you just and didn't feel that with the guitar no matter you know you know it's like someone who's tone deaf and they try and sing and they're like i eventually i'm gonna get good it might be scientifically impossible for you to actually get really good at singing mm-hmm. but you might be really good at playing the piano Right. I don't I'm not a great singer. Like the amount of effort I put into consistently trying to be a decent singer is extensive. Right. And at the beginning of my singing journey, I didn't sound great. Just at, like at the beginning of my guitar playing journey was real bad. But at the beginning of my piano journey, I didn't put any effort. And throughout it, whatever effort I've put in hasn't felt like effort. And I think there's just a recognition. I'm I'm a pianist. By nature, that's that's what I do. And that natural, and it comes it's very hard to find natural, natural talents. It's once very like hard, in, right? You, once you know that. And so, being classically trained in piano for what eight years, something like that. I started when I was, I think, eleven. Sounds, ended when I was right. eighteen, nineteen. So seven, eight years, something like that. I was classically trained for a while, and. That bleeds through a lot. That bleeds through a lot on the Joe Vibin experience. And part of it was that was always something I tried to fight because there's this kind of consensus in the pop world that classical music is good, but it's not consumable. Beethoven is a genius, but he's not a pop artist. Bach makes good music, but you don't stream it in the car. <laughs> like, it's, you don't. <laughs> I'm expecting Bieber to come out with his Chopin next. Uh. Right. See, and that's. Part of my brain is as someone who's the kind of guy who listens to Chopin in the car and the kind of guy who listens to Beethoven while he's at home cleaning his room or whatever it be, where people usually put on 
Journey or Justin Bieber or David Bowie or whatever it be, I'm totally content putting on a movie soundtrack that draws from classical music roots or a Bach symphony or whatever it be. And so part of that was approaching the production, just saying, you know what? Like if, if my love for Bach shines through, I'm going to let it. I feel like in older music like that, that there's a, a complexity that's lost in a lot of modern music. Because, I mean, a lot of modern music, you get into those, those I, I forget the chord progression, I'm sure you know it, that like yeah. every pop song is like, has that one, that one, one three, four. One, four, six, five. And so, oh. and, and you can literally just switch songs like mid song. And there's song. a couple, but yeah, you can. And so I, I think that, I, I think that having that classical training really enables you to see where you can fill some of those gaps yeah. in kind of what the more pop sure. um, feel that we have now. So, sure. I mean, is, is that something, it, it sounds like you're agreeing with me, but like that you're able to fill some of that space where maybe it would just be like a constant, a constant, you know, like a constant baseline, but then yeah. you take it and you fill it out a little more. Well, that's exactly it is from a pop standpoint, you develop chords first. From a classical standpoint, that's not how you approach a song. It, it's just not. Bach, Bach didn't think, okay, these true. are the chords. That's not that's not how that's you write an, in, an invention. That's not how you write a prelude and fugue. A prelude and fugue, it's, it's ideas. It's ideas. You even call them ideas. My piano teacher would be like, okay, there's two ideas going on right here, and you need to express them differently. That's not something you even dabble into when you sit to write a song at a piano with a one, four, six, five chord progression. You don't think about a progression and write lyrics because from a pop standpoint, the lyrics are the emotional framework of the song. In Bach's day, the melody, the intricacy was the emotional framework of the song, right? Why are they mutually exclusive? Well, I mean, in classical times, the the only singing that you had with music was was, was opera, I'm assuming, right? To a certain extent. So almost every, almost every classical musician you see was, was in some way associated with a liturgical form of the church. So most of the choir. singing that they was, was choral, exactly. So it, it happened with the choir, which was in and of itself harmony. Mm-hmm. It, it was in and of itself harmony. So you'd have the organ. I mean... Takata in D, the that's what they used to do to welcome the priest walking down the aisle in a church. Now hmm. you walk into churches nowadays and it's like a rock song. It sounds like, <laughs> sounds like journeys up there. Turn on the fog right? machine. Exactly, right? In the olden days, there was the sense of like music needs to lift your mind to the heavenly realms. You shouldn't be focusing on the player. So an organist is in a loft. You don't even see them. All you hear is this massive, who knows who's playing? I don't know. And neither does any of the lay people. All you see is the priest walking and you hear this music and it's insane, right? That is in part, so that again, layers. The Joe Vibin experience is layers. When I, we're getting into some controversial territory, boys. Nice, I don't even know it. So when yeah, let's I, talk. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm feeling this has to do with your uh, recent conversion as well. 
Partly. Okay. Partly. All right. Conversion all right. to the Catholic Church from yeah. a po- Protestant background. When uh. I. <laughs> Ooh, my credibility just dropped. <laughs> I'll never be president. Okay. I walk into a Catholic church, specifically a very traditional Catholic church, and you're. No matter who you are, like you could be a Catholic hater. You could be the most atheistic human being ever. I've never met a single human being who walks into a Catholic church and says, this is ugly. That doesn't happen because Roman architecture is spectacular by every stretch of the imagination. It's, it's crazy, okay? And that crosses over into music as well. There's, there's not going to be many people who look at uh, traditional Catholic music and say, that's just ear bleeding. Mm. That's gross because there's a sense of intricacy, okay? That emotion is what I think all music can be. Because you, you do have people who listen to Justin Bieber and they're like, my ears are bleeding. <laughs> you, you have people who are listening to country music and they say, my ears are bleeding. Or mm-hmm. rap and they're saying, this is disgusting. Or whatever it be. But you rarely, there's everyone in a million, you, you'll have right. someone who's like, this sucks. And there's you'll always, always have those people. But nowhere do you get the sense of appreciation for music like you do in the classical slash church circles, which at one point were one and the same. Bach was a Catholic. How, how has music changed over the years in the Catholic versus the since the Reformation? I sure. mean, if we're talking about uh, Protestant churches, you're kind of talking about that same standard yeah. rock chord progression in a lot of the uh, worship sets. Um, and that experience, I, I think you're right, which is that that sense of awe yeah. is a little bit lacking. It kind of feels like sure. when you walk into Protestant churches, you're often experiencing, um, I'm just going to throw out a local radio station, but like a Spirit 105.3 yeah. standard set. And you're kind of like, yep, heard that song 35 other times. I can sing to it. To their credit, can. To their credit, that's the goal. The, the Catholic Church and Protestant churches have very different goals. I'm not, I'm, I'm not on this I, podcast I to say one is on right, one is wrong, yeah. right? Obviously, y'all know where I stand. But from the Catholic perspective, humans align themselves with the church. From a Protestant perspective, the church aligns themselves with humans to be, in a sense, approachable, right? So the idea is, I mean, you'll even hear like, hey, welcome to so-and-so church. I'm so glad you chose to visit us this Sunday. Hope you were able to grab a cookie and a coffee on your way in. Uh if you haven't already, take your kids to the kids' wing where they're going to hear a great Bible story. Everything is structured for comfort. Mm-hmm. You walk into a Catholic church and it's dead silent. There is no noise. And it's always been that way. Because you walk in and it's considered a house of prayer. Two very different approaches. Make it a comfortable space for the people. From the Catholic perspective, make it a comfortable space for Christ. That's, that's the two differing ideas. And I don't think one is inherently wrong and yeah, one is inherently the, in right. Because in the way you're framing that, it's it's an interesting perspective. Yeah, I'll, I'll say the least. Like like from that standpoint, because yeah. I don't think that's every Catholic's perspective. Either, yeah, because I mean right? the American that's, that's Protestant Church in so many ways. <laughs> so is, is how long is it going to take us to get to Catholicism here? If, if, I, I would this say was, this, was, <laughs> this might honestly be a record though. That's with true. Tobin. With so, Tobin, that's a record. This, this is that's a record. A record. Here. So I think we, we've managed. To get a solid conversation. Now, I am curious, though. Classically trained, piano, um, Catholicism, COVID era, quarantining, isolation, relationships, 
highs and lows. Where, um, how does this all tie together, and how did this lead into? I mean, I feel like I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the song, but uh, is it "Goodbye Me"? I feel like that one's just a straight up breakup song. Yeah, yeah. "Goodbye Me," "Your Plan," the Joe Vibin experience is therapy. Okay. The Joe Vivian experience is therapy, and you're not going to see many notes of Catholicism in it. You're, okay. you're really not. Not yeah. because Catholicism isn't written into the fiber of me. If anybody knows me, if I like something, <laughs> whether that be Spider-Man Catholicism or a cheeseburger, that, <laughs> I'm not kidding. I Have will you talk ever about it. walked into a Catholic service dressed as Spider-Man eating a cheeseburger? Because it seems like... I've come pretty damn close. <laughs> I've come pretty... Da- okay. I w- okay, I went to... Actually, recently, I, I, I had an I had, I had an to interview. bring them all together somehow. <laughs> I had an interview with he the Catholic He might Church. be going to confession over this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I had an interview. Um, I'm still kind of discerning what, what that's going to lead to, so who knows. But I had an interview with a couple parishes in the Catholic Church as a music director. And... I came in a Spider-Man mask, which I quickly realized was probably not a great idea because <laughs> this I, is already a lot closer than what I was expecting. No, no that's what I'm saying. It's like, okay. Cause I walk in and even like the person who recommended me for the job, they looked at me and they were like, you, you brought another mask, right? And I was like, no, why would I bring another mask? <laughs> they were like, Oh no! <laughs> so they literally went. They got just a plain black mask, and they were like, "Just please don't wear a Spider-Man mask interviewing with a priest." Like, and they they just tried. They brought it to a level, and I was like, "Okay." I'm now thinking about the logistics of this decision, and okay, I'm realizing so I was I was in the wrong here. <laughs> was this mask like like a COVID mask? Like you yeah. decided to wear a Spider-Man mask instead of a COVID mask? Definitely not a Spider-Man that. This is not the full outfit. Oh, okay. That would be insanity. Okay, no, that's what was, I thought this was. <laughs> that's even better. If I if I had the balls to do that, I'd be in a worse place in life. So it was just a standard face mask. Yeah, it was, it was, okay, it was a COVID right. mildly protective mask, I suppose. I'm less interested with this story. Let's move right, on. Okay. I'm, I was really only disappointed that it wasn't Iron Man. Oh, there we go. Um, but on that going back to kind of the the central themes throughout it, the reason you don't see a lot of Catholicism bleed into the record is because it took me a very long time to come to terms with the fact that I was unwaveringly Catholic, considering a lot of my Catholicism and a lot of my devotion to it was built around a sort of lifestyle I had created with my significant other, who is now my ex-significant other. Mm. It was it was very interconnected. And part of that is I never want it to be disconnected. I don't want who I eventually spend the rest of my life with to be separate from the way I express my faith. They should be one in the same. Right. And I felt as though in, in that stage in our relationship, they, they were becoming that they were becoming that. I mean, there was a promise ring in the picture. There was a whole, there was a whole slew of things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, we're not turning back at this point. So there's no reason to start keeping them separate. Cause in the beginning of a relationship, you it's very wise to keep certain things not in in the scope of the relationship. Mm-hmm. They, they need to be separate for a reason. But as it begins to become more than just a relationship and you determine this probably isn't going anywhere, and then you're, you're, you're set enough that you spend money on a ring to declare this is definitely not going anywhere – and then it just ends. There was a sense in my brain where I was trying to come to terms with like, 
my routine of going to mass and confession and adoration, she was there every time. Evening prayers, we would call each other to do evening prayers. So then I, I go to my home altar to approach evening prayers and it's, what do I do? Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing without her, right? So there was a sense not where like I'm, I'm questioning Catholicism, but I'm so scared to practice my faith because it feels so wrong and empty without her. And that is an issue, I, I, and it's definitely gotten better uh, since, since it ended. But that's one of the reasons you don't see Catholicism written throughout this album, because it was just painful to even mm-hmm. think about it. Mm-hmm. And so all I could think about was the fact that this broke off, this, this ended. And so the opening record, it's called Joe Vibin, the opening song on the record. Um, there's this really rhythmic, rhythmic, I don't know, almost uh, hypnotic intro. And the mm-hmm. goal is essentially preparing you to get in this headspace of hypnosis. Like this record is now, you're entering into a world, and it's not a fun one. It well, is not a, fun. The first song always kind of sets the tone for the whole record, it for does. what you want it to be. And so yeah. it makes... It makes sense what you're saying. So from just a lyrical standpoint, you will never be far away from me. You will always live in my memories. And that continues to just throughout the entire record that continues in every instrument, the piano, the bass follows the same melody as I'm singing this. So it all ends up in unison. Usually you have a bass that's playing its own, mm-hmm. own thing. The piano's doing its own thing. And the melody is on top of all of that. Yep. And this one, they're together. They're all the same because it felt like every aspect of my life was just singing the same thing. Like, where the hell is she? Hmm. Why is she not here? So that's the idea of the, the opening record. It's, it's preparing you for the fact that this record just, it's all about that. It's all about that. And do you think the, like you mentioned early on, this record is all over the place. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about the strangest the lyrically <laughs> song that's simultaneously the most frustrating <laughs> But cannot escape your head. Yeah. If you take a duck, remove its tail feathers and its beak, it was it? Then it's uh, imagine. Yeah. So it give it everything you could imagine your wildest dreams. You you end up with the world as it is, right? Yeah. So it's like, like it's, it's it's like so odd. <laughs> you you want to? I feel like you've listened to the <laughs> yes. Um, I feel like you've listened to this, Jack, and I haven't. I'm about to... Go ahead and play it. Go ahead and play yeah, it. Exactly. It's, it's Classy Joe. Classy Joe. Here we go. Already, the, out, the name is just a meme. But go ahead and listen to the opening line, and I'll explain its conception. We'll have to dub this over. Yeah. So that's that's the opening line. It's, this is the perfect example of what I was saying is I want to just be unashamedly me on this record. That's not the first song, though, right? No, no, no. This no. Is, okay. It's one right. of the last okay. ones in okay. there. It's, it's, it's close like to the end. The Are you going to put it on Spotify? Yeah. Okay. That, that just sounds better. Actually, but. for our listeners, too, they've, they've got some previews snuck in 
with State of the Union intro for mm-hmm. our intros. That's so, true. That's true. The State yeah, of the Union kind is to contribute that. the beat. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Thanks for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, so, so Classy Joe is, is an ideal example of me learning to be unashamed of just who I am, right? And I think part of it was when you're heartbroken, you're really, you're just, I don't know, simultaneously most yourself and least yourself at the same time where you're in this state of like, who am I without her? But at the same time, like I'm still here and I'm learning to rediscover everything that I love about myself without her. And I'm realizing like, I'm totally content just being me. And that's what this album was. And so part of it, I, I made an epic beat. And my roommate was like, dude, that is sick. That is so cool. And it was that beat. And then I'm just in my room and I'm like, dude, this, this is so cool. This is, this is so cool. I'm pretty sure I had done like two shots of Jaeger. And I was like, I, I was just, it was just a good moment. Nice and loose. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good moment. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, time for some lyrics. And that was what came about. I just, the first thing, like if you took a duck, remove the feathers, just immediately. And Reese looked at me and he was like, that's not the final product, right? And I was like, Challenge accepted. That's <laughs> exactly. I literally said, you know what? That's the final product. And in my moment, in, in my mind, I realized like that. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Say less. Yeah. It, it was in, it was in that moment that I realized that's me. I, I'm the guy who takes the most wild out there, probably most meaningless, but funny (laughs) and maybe meaningful thing and is okay with it. And so I took it and I took it and I ran with it right to, to this day. It's my favorite song on the record. Classy Joe. Cause I listen to it. I simultaneously hate it the most and love it the most. Yeah. It's the one that sticks in my head. It's the one that I can't escape from. It's the, you know, it's uh, it's an earworm. Yeah. Well, it, it, Okay, at, at, at face value, all you hear is the duck. Literally, people will say, dude, what, what's that duck song? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, I get it. But when you break down the lyrics, if you took a duck, remove the feathers and the beak, let's switch it. I mean, anything, if you took a swan, remove what makes it beautiful, mm-hmm. made it everything that you hate, then you have the world in the current state it's in. That's what I'm saying. I'm just saying it in, the, in a very crass way. Because the idea is, from a Christian perspective, the world is inherently good. It's not inherently bad because it's created by God. But the idea is, it, right now, you look around and you're like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't understand any of this. And so my heartbroken brain and heart is like, what is going on? Like, is it, I should be able to turn to the things of the world for solace after a heartbreak, but it don't get any there's nothing everything seems to be in shambles so how much that's the idea how much of this album is because i mean you you can make a lot of correlations i'm assuming between you know coming out of a relationship and having a world be completely crazy uh right now so how much is is, does it lean one one way or the other more towards like this coming out of a relationship or this being like just an insane time or is it just all mixed so Classy Joe and State of the Union are kind of the the songs that really embody. I'm I'm gonna pull out the song list just so that I have a yeah I got it up right here for you just so that oh, there we go. So if I'm looking through here, Win You Back is kind of arbitrary. There's no 
it's it's an exciting song, right? That's after mm-hmm. Joe Vibin. So Joe Vibin is it sets the tone. It's hypnotic. The idea is okay. Let's let's prepare the listener for this weird mix of heartbreak, despair, and musical appreciation, right? Um, that that's a good way to describe it. It's a it's a Daft Punk classical music inspired music appreciation class. That's the whole album. <laughs> okay. And everybody hates a music appreciation class. Everybody oh. hates it. My bad. There's no. <laughs> I, I don't I know anything. No, I, I, like I, I had. Oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Back when I was in college, there was a class that was literally like everyone wanted to get into it because there were only three tests, and Easy the day pass. <laughs> the day before the test, the instructor was like, "Listen, you guys can show up," and he would just straight up say this: "You can show up the day before the test, and I will review." The exact test we will have the next day, and we will go over it the day before the test. And everyone's like, "Okay, that's a that's a great professor." That <laughs> but is then solid the class. rest of the time, it was all about it was music history class, you know. Nice. And I went every day because I loved it. There you go. You actually <laughs> enjoyed it. Yeah. There you go. That's rare. That is very rare. Let me tell you, I don't know anybody who's ever appreciated a music appreciation class. Well, there's a process oh. for appreciating music. There's a process for and everything, Jack. And that way you do that is through that class. <laughs> well, there you go. But if, if I'm looking at the track list here, Joe Vibin, I consider it an intro. It doesn't lean one way or the other. It's, it's a preparation song, as I think a lot of intros are. Um, when You Back, again, doesn't lean one way or the other. It doesn't apply to the heartbreak. It doesn't apply to the state of the world. It's, it's a pop song. It's popcorn. It's enjoyable. It's good listening. That's it. Goodbye Me, it's a heartbreak song. Your Plan, it's a heartbreak song. Classy Joe, it's a world song. Cinematic Joe is both. State of the Union is a world song. So it's literally 50-50. So that really makes When You Back stand out. So so how did that one end up on this album? Because that completely stands out from, it sounds like, because when you back sounds like the opposite of a relationship ending, yeah, and it's very different than the state of the world, and it's different than every other song on there, yeah. Which also makes me want to ask you, why did you pick that for the for that to be the single? Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Okay, <laughs> now we're getting juicy. I'm just I'm just yeah. like today. That's being, a really uh, good. That is yeah. a really good. And you bet, me being a weird intellectually stimulated person, I thought about that. There was a reason none of these nice. were the single. When You Back, to me, is the quintessential pop song. There is nothing concrete about the scenarios in the song. Anybody can listen to it and think, man, I've been in a situation kind of like that. Because there's no, there's no specifics. There's no, I was on your front porch wailing to you, I want you back. It's, it's just so simple. Like... So it's easy to identify it's with. It's so easy to identify with, right? And can I can wanted... give us the main like like chorus in that. Are you awake right now? I want to find out because I think that I miss you. It's great. That's it. Yeah. It's really simple, and everybody. But it was good. Someone can probably identify with. You know, I've 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 wondered wondered if if someone would respond to my text yeah, at two right a.m. Yeah. Well, well, what I like about it is it's it's incredibly it's an incredibly generic kind of situation. Yeah. But it's a very specific mo- emotion within that. Exactly. Where yeah. you're right. sitting there like, and it's like you instantly like it's like okay, this is a generic song to your to your sure. point. But then that line, I wonder if you're awake right now. That instantly takes me to a spot where it's like I remember breaking up with a girl exactly. and being like I wonder if she's, I wonder if she's up right now. I wonder now. if she's staring at the same yeah. stars as me. I wonder if any of these cliche teenage tropes and, and what's what's weird is 
heartbreak has a way of taking you back to that teenage state of emotion. And I, and I think in a way the, the vulnerability of yourself all of a sudden, it's as like far, it's, you're, you're cut exactly. open raw, you're exposed and you're not worthy in a sense. As far yeah. removed as when you back is from the framework of the rest of the record, it's also right there because that is kind of the state of mind you're in after the heartbreak. Like all I want is you to be back here. <laughs> like that, that's it. Right. And so it makes light of it first only to dive right into not making light of it with Goodbye Me, which is so probably like, the quintessential breakup song. So this is, it was a very intentional thing. And, and that's yeah. something that, you know, you can very see nice. in, you know, you and I love discussing Marvel movies, oh, yeah. uh, but, but movies in general, yeah. um, specifically, they'll intentionally put a high note right before a low note yeah. just to make you feel that, that, that low emotion. Lower, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you only hate the is that what you're going? Is that exactly. what you're going? Okay. Because well, the idea is, okay, you're hypnotized. You're entering into the world. Now I do whatever the hell I want with you. You're in Joe Vibin. You're in the experience. Now I'm going to take you on a roller coaster. I'm going to take you to the high highs. I'm going to take you to the low lows. And I'm going to tell you how the world is right now. And you're just going to listen to me. Because, and, and I think part of it just stems from who I am as a person. I talk a lot. And I dominate environments with opinions. And it's not good. Usually about <laughs> Catholicism. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And so usually in social environments, I'm very... I'm very dominant, right? But this is a space where I can do that safely. And I never understood that until this record. Mm. And then I realized I, I can say whatever I want on this record because this isn't a conversation. Nobody's responding. I get to do, you can listen to it. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. That's it. And if you, if you declare that you don't like it, I don't care. I made it and I had fun with it. There you go. And that's it, right? And so it's, mm -hmm. it's, again, me learning to just be unashamed of who I am and let it be, which is, again, it's my favorite record. No, I was about to say. No <laughs> I absolutely love this body of work, not because I think it's, it's like absolute just musical oh, I, perfection. I thought you meant let it be. What like, was your, what was your <laughs> rationale for including President Biden's speech in the, mm. in the end? Because that was an interesting set of lines when he's talking about yeah. kind of rebuilding in a sense or yeah. coming together. It was kind of like the sure. kumbaya type of speech in some ways. Very true. What was your intent behind that? Um, I hate politics. I hate it. Yeah, you I, chose I, the most prominent politician in the United States at the moment. Exactly. Exactly. I'm always the devil's advocate. Everybody, everybody in my life knows this, and now whatever general public views this knows. I always play the devil's advocate and um, most people in my general circle are not big fans of Joe Biden. And I think there's a lot of people who aren't big fans of Joe Biden. I think he has like the lowest approval rate of any president in history, right? Yeah. Str the struggles really. He's, he's struggling. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a lot of epic Joe, Joe Biden fans, right? Um, and part of me wanted to play into that with the fact that it's like, okay, Trump was formerly the most hated president. His approval rating was actually pretty high. But he was just on a general public level, people really didn't like him, especially in this this part of the country, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, Specifically well, that, this part of the, the country. The left coast over here was pretty rough for Trump. Oh my gosh, that whole presidency was so weird. 
everything but, about the past. Everything I just about remember every time I drive by, like like seeing like someone with a giant Trump flag in their yard, and I'd be like, I'm surprised no one shot them. No, like, that's just like that's kind of the culture okay. here. I drove like, through Lake Stevens, and there was bullet holes in a Trump sign. Bullet holes, okay. And I I looked. This wasn't like a cardboard sign. This was a metal sign. So either some dude like, he... took a fat nail and hammered it, or he literally shot the sign. He probably took it out to the range. And I'm, <laughs> who does it? Okay. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm looking at this as a person who now is just trying his hardest to dive deep into religion and not politics, because I really don't like politics. One could argue they're very similar. But... I feel like you keep baiting us with those comments. I'm not taking the bait. I'm, I'm not a taking devil's it. advocate. I'm not guys. taking the Catholicism bait here. But you take. You take I've been this. in this family long enough to know how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay. and hereby I disclose the uh, the shameless uh, plug that I'm uh, promoting my brother-in-law here too. Exactly. So, <laughs> so it's it's the reason I included it is because. I don't care if you're a Biden supporter. I don't care if you're a Trump supporter. I don't care if you support the Green Party or the Libertarian Party or whatever it be. What he's saying makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's how we should approach the world. <laughs> like, it, it shouldn't be on this, this camp or this, this tribe-based, very deep-seated tribalism in America. And it annoys the hell out of me because when I hear that speech, the conservatives are like he doesn't mean a word he's saying or he's like all he means is he's gonna kill babies to do it just take it at face value what he's saying is good the idea of unifying the country for the sake of the greater good is not a bad idea it's it's not pretty much no matter who you are you you wouldn't agree that that's a bad idea (laughs) but people still crap on it and so i wanted to almost be like a juxtaposition with the people in my life right because everybody's they probably know – I'm not going to disclose who I voted for, but I didn't vote for Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. People know that. So they're going to hear a Joe Biden speech at the end of this album that I put as a labor of love, and they're going to be like, what? Why? And that's my goal. Like, really, there's nothing else other than just – I just wanted people to be really confused. It's good. Well, it can, sp- it can start a conversation on that where it's like, well, why would you do this well? Maybe we should be less, and it could lead to a conversation Critical. where you essentially go, yeah. we should be less tribalistic. Yeah, and, and, and past that too, the, the, the rest of the song apart from that is almost the opposite, right? Because one of, one of the lines is, you're just the 46th in a line of men who make promises that never seem to come to fruition. When will it be different, right? So you're almost saying like the role of the president throughout history has almost seemed arbitrary. And then I give a presidential speech at the end of the song. It's like, like, what what is he doing? Yeah, it's pretty funny. And that's the goal. Is it supposed to be? It's almost almost a comedic relief. Let's be honest. Uh, At the end of the album, you're kind of like, wait, you've you've been on this roller coaster. Where's this train stopping? Yeah. And then I'm just like, you know, it's going to stop with a really, really controversial joke. (laughs) That's where it's going to end. And, and, again, that's just leaning into myself, being like, you know, that's going to offend some people, and I don't care. Because it's my right to do it. Well, you probably had a lot. I mean, when you've done previous work, you said you worked more with other people. Yeah. I mean, how much? How much did working by yourself allow you to be more free like that, as opposed to working with? I mean, I've I've never made music before. Like, mm-hmm. how much influence is there into like 
the general approach of the album, specific lyrics, that yeah, kind of stuff. No. The duck thing wouldn't have flew. <laughs> <laughs> well, right? it sounds like the duck you listed wouldn't have flown anyways. Because exactly. <laughs> no feathers, yeah. But it, it's you know something was the way you're describing that, like like giving it everything you dream. This this song again, like it's it's a dang earworm. It's the like quintessential. You, you can't escape from it. Like yeah. The way I took it wasn't necessarily like you remove the feathers in the beak and then that's the worst thing that you gave it. But it's also it's also the the weirdest and wildest things, which is also our world too. Like, yeah. there's a lot of like fantastical highlights. It's almost like a oh, um, massively like a Moulin Rouge type of thing, right? Like sure. it's this this wild yeah. World it's not that all you're bad. not expecting. It's not all bad. It's not all. It's bad. kind of extremes of ups and downs. But what do you and make that's, of it? Yeah, that's, that's what it that's is. Kind of the, thing. the past five years have been just extreme. That's a great word to describe it. Whether they're really bad extremes or really good extremes, they've been extremes. Mm-hmm. They yeah. just have, which is, which is crazy, but that's exactly what it is. So I don't say if you took a duck, remove the feathers in the beak, then you have the world in the current state it's in. Right. Cause that's, you guys do realize, okay. Like I don't think people put two and two together, but that you, you buy that when you cook it. <laughs> you, that's literally what you buy from the store. If you purchase a duck is no beak and no feathers. That's it. Yep. I don't That's buy not... a duck from stores, but well, sure, I believe sure. you. Some, some people, they He's a little more organic than the rest of us here. Yeah. Ray, raising go. his own fowl. That's right. But my, you... my duck always has the beak still on. <laughs> if you take that, if you take it's that up face smiling value. at me. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I love that movie. We watch that movie with my wife. will not watch that movie, but I love watching it with my boys because they're just there like. So confused most of the movie. <laughs> the Stuck best. his tongue to a pole. <laughs> you see them gradually understand it, though. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I watched it with our oldest, who's now ten, and a couple years ago we watched it, and he was getting a lot more of it this time. Yeah. We'll fun. say, definitely not one of my favorite classics. Oh no, it's not one of my favorites, but I love watching it every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. It's one of those. It's one of those. But I think part of it was the realization, like. You can buy that from a supermarket. Like you go somewhere and you get a duck. It's obviously there's no feathers and usually they remove the beak. You don't eat the beak. It's not there. That's not wild. So it's almost arbitrary. And then you say, and then make it everything you'd see in your wildest dreams. Then you have the world in the current state it's in. Mm. But then you can leave it up to the imagination, right? What if that duck is walking? What if it's freaking walking without a beak and feathers? Then you're terrified. Like, what the heck is that? And why is it here? Zombie right? duck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it's, do with it what you will. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but I like it. So when when, when can we hear your new album and where can we hear your new album? The Joe Vibin Experience is going to be released late March, the exact date to be determined, but expect it to be somewhat of a spring record. Um, specifically near the end of March. Um, but current music right now, because there is two uh, full-length records that are released pretty much everywhere except SoundCloud. You can find on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, Tidal, Pandora, wherever you listen, under the name Tobias, T-O-B-I-A-S. Um, because I'm much much smaller of an artist than some out there, you search Sunset Chasers after that. It's really easy to find it again. So, Is that so, one of your albums or a song? Or? It is, yeah. So it's my most recent record, um, okay. Sunset Chasers, and there's no other album named Sunset Chasers, which is kind of wild. Nice. But if you search... That's kind of surprising. You yeah, right? That's a pretty, like, it seems yeah. like a pretty... 
I mean, Supertones had Chase the Sun back in the day. But. <laughs> Same concept. <Yeah. laughs> so you have uh, Tobias Sunset Chasers, and that'll uh, get you where you need to be. Awesome. And then do you have a Twitter handle, Facebook handle, anything along those lines? I don't. Not big on, not big on social media. Not doing I think socials. it's a bit of a, bit of a plague. <laughs> all right well i will agree with that and i think we can close out yeah awesome so go ahead and like and subscribe don't forget to smash that like button apparently that's what everyone says on youtube so yeah, literally um, everybody i've heard whack whack <laughs> <laughs> don't like that attitude. Just, just don't saying, like that. Yeah. Same here. Yep. I feel you. Smash yep. the like button. You can smash the like button. You're welcome to do that. But, you know, if uh, something else fancies you, go ahead and do that, too. There you go. All right. Thank you all. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, to Tobias, for joining us. Uh, go ahead and check out the new album, Joe Vibin' you got Experience. It.